Welcome, everyone. It's good to be here together again, eh? Eh? Yeah, eh? <laughs> James, you haven't heckled enough this year. That's okay. I forgive you. Thank you. <laughs> hey, so we've been in this uh, series, Deeper Still, right? And uh, we're going to conclude it tonight uh, as we lean into Spiritual Emphasis Days starting Monday. Wow. Uh, I love Spiritual Emphasis Days. It is an in-house retreat, okay, for those who are freshmen uh, who have yet to experience uh, SED, Spiritual Emphasis Days. Uh, you're in for a treat. So Monday... Uh, it starts with a prayer summit that we're going to have in here. So there's no structured chapel service for Monday morning like what we usually do. We're going to have a time of prayer uh, together and uh, great conversation last week about prayer and interceding for one another. So we will practice that again. Uh, we will be practical in our application of it. So we'll spend some time together praying. We'll spend some time praying over one another over the week. And uh, then Tuesday, two times on Wednesday, and then on Thursday, we have uh, Pastor Bill Markham speaking, which is awesome. So uh, Tessa and Garrett's father is going to be here speaking. He's an old uh, previous Omega director. I shouldn't say old previous because that sounds like he's just old. He was an old and a previous Omega director. And uh, awesome guy, super passionate, and you're going to love him, Okay. So tonight I want to finish on this, uh, this topic of going deeper still in this series. Uh, and we've been using Mark chapter 12, the great commandment, as our um, framework for this series. To love God, to love neighbors, and to love self. But before I get into it, I just wanted to, uh, again, share a story about my kids. Because I like sharing stories about my kids. Uh, and so I'm going to. So Pretty much every night when I get home from work, every evening, I basically lie on the floor. Like, that's what I do. I get home, and I just lie on my living room floor. And as I lie on my living room floor, I have two little adorable, sometimes smelly, sometimes stinky uh, boys who jump on me. And I love it. I love it. I just lie there, and all they want to do is wrestle. And Simeon, who's two, he... He's speaking a lot now, uh, and his words are so cute. And he's got a bit of a rasp in his voice, too. And he's always like, Daddy Wessel. Daddy Wessel. That's all he wants to do is wessel with me. And so we wessel all the time. Now, Seth is getting a little bit older. He still likes to wrestle. But he's getting into uh, board games. He's getting into playing board games, which is really cool. So we gave him a few board games for Christmas. One was a matching game. It was a Spider-Man matching game. You get all these little cards. There's the pairs, right? You set out a whole bunch of them. So we set out 20 of these little cards. So there's 10 pairs that you can match. And we play this game. And Seth is actually getting pretty good at, like, picking out where the matches are. You guys know what matching game is, right? If you flip two over, they don't match. What do you do? You flip them back, and it's the next person's turn. Okay, great. You're tracking with me. So we play this game. And as a dad, I want to give opportunity for my son to win. And I also want to make sure that I don't think that he's the boss of the house. And so I got to beat him at times as well. Unlike if you're a youth pastor, you never let the student win on purpose. They only should ever beat you if they actually like win. Okay. Never just let them win. As a parent, you get to let them win a little bit, but not all the time. You know, you got to play back and forth and balance the game until uh, they should know that you're still in charge, but you give them some hope that there's like a future for them. Right? So that's the intent of it. So we play matching deep theological conversation into the matching Spider-Man game. So here's the beauty of my son. Uh, we play this game. He's actually pretty good. He was doing all right, but I, I beat him. I chose to beat him, and then I decided, okay, this next game, I'm going to let him win. But I'm going to, like, totally let him take the board. I've never done it. I'm going to let him take the board, see how many matches he can put together, and see the excitement in his faith, face. So he gets a pair. Awesome. If you get a pair, you get to go again. So he gets a pair. He goes again, doesn't get the match. So then I pick up two, not a match, his turn again. He realized that one of the ones that I picked up was the one that he previously picked up. He knew where it was, and he got another pair, 
pretty good for a four-year-old. He did it again for a third time. So he had three pairs. So he had six points, okay? And again, there's only 20 points available in this game. So he's doing pretty good. So then it's his turn again. He flips open a Spider-Man that was on a motorbike. And then he flips open what we call Black Spider-Man, but it's that Venom character. And so he sees that it's Black Spider-Man and it's Spider-Man on the motorbike. Didn't get it. Flips it back over. I flip open another one, which happens to be Black Spider-Man, but not the one that he picked, right? So it's the pair there. Knowing that that was there, I chose, I'm not going to pick it because I want him to select it. So I chose a different one. Didn't get the pair. Seth's turn. This is what Seth does. He flips open the Black Spider-Man, and he goes, hmm. (laughs) Hmm. And he goes like this. And he flips open the one beside the black Spider-Man. And I'm like, oh, he didn't get it. He just missed it. So then it's my turn. So I flip open the black Spider-Man that he had, right? And then there's the one that I had earlier flipped over. And I'm like, hmm. And this is what Seth does. He goes, daddy, it's right there. He knew it was there. He faked a miss for me because he felt bad for me. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) He felt bad that I was losing that bad. So he decided to help me out and tell me where Black Spider-Man was. So I got a pair. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Nothing to do with tonight, but I just wanted to share the story. Hey, so we're, we're going to conclude our sermon series in the structure of the great commandment, right? We all know the great commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and to love your neighbor and to love yourself, right? Right? To love the Lord your God and to serve your neighbor and to think about yourself often, Right? Right, to do 15 minutes of devotions a day to love God, to serve others in a ministry once a week, but then treat yourself daily, right? That's what it means, isn't it? No. <laughs> to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. To love your neighbor as yourself. So does that mean to love ourselves? Does that mean that the Bible insinuates that we should just love ourselves? Is there no specific teaching about loving ourselves? Or is there specific teaching about how to love ourselves? I had these questions on my Google Doc form as I was preparing for tonight's sermon. Oh... Okay, so what is loving self? Like, what does God mean by loving neighbor as self? So we must insinuate that we love ourselves. But do I love myself? Right? Do we love ourselves? Uh, Yeah, some. Yes, we do. Yeah. But when you're answering it with a question, are you certain if you love yourself? And so, like, how much do I love myself? Because I'm, I'm confused. Like, Doesn't the Bible say to deny myself? Doesn't the Bible say for me to decrease? Doesn't the Bible say that I should not think too highly of myself? And so what what does loving self even mean? Should we love ourselves? So I want to read this passage with you tonight. And you can open up your Bible if you'd like to. I don't have it up on the screen. You can open up your phone if you'd like to. Or, third option, brand new option, just for you, you can close your eyes. Oh, everyone's like, I'm taking option number three. You can close your eyes on this one if you'd like. Okay? I'm pretty sure you're not going to fall asleep. It's too early. You know, you know that feeling of like five o'clock, six o'clock, you're really tired, but then all of a sudden like seven, eight hits and you're like, why am I all of a sudden awake? Right? You know that feeling? We're there. So you're good. So if you want, I encourage you to close your eyes on this one. Okay. We're going to read out of Luke chapter 24 and I just want you to picture, picture this story with me. Okay. It's beautiful. Luke chapter 24. 
I can see some of you are not closing your eyes. That's all right. Here we go. So this is Resurrection Day, okay, according to Luke, and he's talking about uh, same day here. Same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. And he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? I love Jesus. What are you guys up to? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said that his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them, Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And by this time, they were nearing Emmaus. At the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he was going on. But they begged him, stay the night with us, since it is getting late. So he went home with them. And as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it, and he gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And then at that moment, he disappeared. (laughs) And they said to each other, Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. And they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord is really risen. He appeared to Peter. Verse 35. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about this, Jesus himself suddenly standing there among them. Shalom. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and and make sure that I am not a ghost, because ghosts don't have bodies, as you see I do. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Verse 41. Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate as they watched. And then he said, When I was with you before, I told you everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. In verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand Scripture. You can open your eyes. What does this have to do with self-love? Well, let me tell you. Because what is self-love, right? Like, I'm still quite confused. 
And in the process of uh, developing this sermon, uh, it was a bit of a wrestling match. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you to stick with that concept of a wrestling match. And tonight we're going to wrestle through some of this together. We're going to wrestle through this self-love. We're going to wrestle through what, what God's desire is for us to, to love ourselves, to respect ourselves, to take care of ourselves. And I want you to journey with me. So I want to pose the question, do you love yourself? If you're, to, if you're to really just sit and take in everything, ask yourself the question, do you love yourself? I don't mean do you love your life. Okay, I'm not talking about your surroundings. I'm not talking about your relationships. I'm not talking about your style, your clothes, what you got, your family, whatever. If you're to just like place yourself, remove yourself from all of it, and just be you and your thoughts, which for some of you are like, oh, that's a scary place to be, would you be okay with yourself? Would you, would you love yourself? Because we live in a society, we live in a society today that is so focused on self and obsessed with self, but is so deprived of love for self, right? A society that is clinging to anything in which will give them value, which will give them worth, which will give them acceptance and purpose in life. And there's so many options and so many selections, and yet it feels like there is a strong deficit in the red of a love of self. Sorry, a love for self. There's a strong love of self but not for self. Like there are more products on self-care, classes to take, apps to put on your phone, education and organizations, books, blogs, breathing techniques for this self-care, this self-preservation, this self-sustaining. There's more clothes and styles and fragrances and lotions and creams and material things than ever before for self-care and self-love. To focus on self, to better self, to, to come to a place where I accept myself more than what I had previous, right? Yet it seems like there's such a longing still for more. Do you get that at all? Yeah? Eli, thanks for your honesty, buddy. I- I'm good with the wrestling match back and forth on this, okay? So for me, this has been my wrestling match. I decided for, uh, near the end of November I wanted to take off some time from social media. So I took some time off from social media, November, December, into the Christmas break, and then started up in January again. And inundated again with people's like thoughts about New Year's resolutions, stuff like that. And like the number one that I saw, New Year resolution that I saw, was not just like New Year, New Me, which is like the cliche and the thing that people go for all the time. But it's like, this is the year that I'm going to put myself first. And I was like, whoa, wait a second. Do I like that? Like, I'm going to choose to love myself first. I'm like, do I like that? Do I not like that? I kind of don't like that. But when Scripture says that we're to love the Lord our God and we're to love our neighbors as ourselves, does that mean that we have to first love ourselves before we can love God and love our neighbors? And I've heard some people say yes. And I've heard some people say no. And so, again, where's, where's that line for that? Where's that place where, okay, yeah, I need to love and accept myself because if I don't, I'm going to be a real unhealthy place to love other people. So there's some truth to that. But, man, it sure is misleading, misguiding that I should place myself first in the area of love before I get to God and loving him. Right? Are you tracking? Okay, great. I'm okay with silence, but I need at least a uh, 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 every once in a while, okay? <laughs> I even read things in research for this about people's, like, New Year resolutions. My, my stepsister, wonderful girl, she said, like, this year I, I'm, I'm choosing to love myself, which I was excited about. And then she's like, I got to love myself, and then everything else will fall into place. I'm like, well, you started strong, but I don't know if I like the end there, right? And then our culture thinks that a great way to love ourselves is to treat ourselves, right? 
Ever watch Park and Rec? Parks and Recreation? Yeah? Can we, can we toss that video up? Is that going to work? Yes. DJ Brooks is in the building. Here to announce that Tom Haverford is in the building. Oh, one, two, one, two. Donatella, T-Mobile. Three words for you. Treat yourself. Treat yourself 2011. Once a year, Donna and I spend a day treating ourselves. What do we treat ourselves to? Clothes. Treat yourself. Fragrances. Treat yourself. Massages. Treat yourself. Mimosas. Treat yourself. Fine leather goods. Treat yourself. It's the best day of the year. The best day of the year. I got a question. Mm-hmm. What do you think about inviting Ben to come along with us today? Why no? This is our thing. But he really seems like he could use a day off. He's like a skinny little rubber band that's about to snap in half. Exactly. He doesn't know how to relax. Donna, you and I are relaxation professionals. There's no way Ben can slow down enough to keep up with us. Manuvian Princess, this is our holy day. It's a one day a year I allow myself to be selfish. Ooh, cupcakes. Those are all for me, Jerry. Treat yourself, right? Yeah, but let's be honest. Doesn't it feel so good to take a day of self-care where I just binge watch Netflix, right? I just think about myself and my needs and eat what I want and do what I want and only answer the things that I want to answer to, right? I've worked so hard for this. I deserve this, right? Isn't it love God, love your neighbor, and treat yourself? Is that what it means? (laughs) we live in a society that is obsessed with self i'm gonna say my generation because it makes me feel better (laughs) my generation is like the creators and don't get like hey this is my generation blah 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 of the eye products right the creators of the selfies like literally created a new word, (laughs) changed our vocabulary in regards to self. The I products, the, the social media, where social media, let's be honest, is now more about self promotion than anything else, right? It's about, it's about promoting oneself because we look at the fabricated, filtered lives of everybody else and compare them to our regular day-to-day routine, and we say, wow, how can I ever compare to that? So i got to promote myself in a filtered, fabricated way so that others will see it and double-tap the screen so I can get a heart and feel accepted and valued by the picture that I place up on this thing. And we have this crooked, bent view of how we are to accept ourselves and be okay with ourselves and like ourselves, that we focus so much on ourselves. Yet why do we still live in a time where it seems like people are deprived of of their identity, of who they are, of their value and of their worth and of their purpose? Right? Lauren Daigle, is that her name? Her song? Right? Beautiful song. Like, so beautiful. I don't remember the title of it, but I know it's all about that identity. Like, beautiful song. Music is not my thing, if you haven't figured that out. (laughs) But, like, both in, like, the sacred and secular world, it has skyrocketed because people resonate with what she's singing about. And people are just desperate and, and longing for an acceptance and identity. And this is the society in which we live in. And so, yes, I understand the commands. There's two of them, not three of them. There's two of them, to love God and to love others with that as yourself. So there's this insinuating that there's still a love for self. And so that's what we want to talk about and wrestle through tonight. Paul does the same thing, actually, in the book of Ephesians. He says, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Does this mean that we all love our bodies? Does this mean that all husbands with sweet dad bods love their bodies? And I know you think I got a good body. But does that mean, 
<laughs> Does that mean all husbands love their bodies? But Paul says in verse 29, after all, no one has ever hated their own body. Well, Paul, uh, you got to come up to 2019 here, buddy. <laughs> right? The Bible is insinuating here that we all love ourselves. Scripture is insinuating that we all love ourselves. Scripture here is insinuating that we all love our bodies. But if I'm honest, okay, I know some people who don't accept themselves, who don't really love themselves. And if I'm going to be totally honest and frank with you, I've kind of stepped in and out of that camp every once in a while. And I know people who don't really like their bodies, And I've also stepped in and outside of that camp every once in a while. And so scripture is insinuating that I love myself, yet I question if I love myself. Not even if I should, but do I really even love myself? There's something that I'm missing. Because if we're so obsessed and focused on ourselves, yet we don't love ourselves, that means our love is broken, right? Right? And so Kim and I were watching this video uh, this last week. I had seen this a while ago, and I was showing Kim because it just kind of hit for, for this concept of love. This uh, old rabbi, Abraham Tversky, funny last name. And he's talking about this guy who said he loves fish. And this guy questioned him. He said, you love fish? And he said, yeah. So the, the guy went out, and he caught fish, and he ate fish, and he said he loved fish. And the guy's like, you don't love fish. You love the fish so much that you went out and caught it and killed it and boiled it and ate it. Don't say you love fish. You love yourself. And because you love yourself, you went out, you caught the fish, you killed it, you boiled it, and you ate it. Right? There's a couple who are in love. They get married. The guy says, I love her. And she says she loves him. But really... He comes to the point where he realizes that this person is going to actually satisfy his emotional and physical needs as a spouse. And so he doesn't just love her. He loves what she can do for her or for him. Excuse me. So therefore, he loves self. And she's the same thing. Who will satisfy my needs, my emotional, my mental, my physical needs. She loves herself. And so this rabbi said, so much of our love today is fish love. Right? It's this, we say we love it, but it's actually, we say that we love ourselves. Because a true love, a true healthy love, is not a love that gets, but it's a love that gives. So if you say we love fish, well, who's the one who is giving? The fish is giving, not me. I'm getting, right? A true love of self, sorry, a true love is giving of self, not getting. And so this concept of, of giving, this concept of, of giving up, we talked about this in the last couple of weeks. We talked about this in loving God. We talked about this in loving others. And so in loving self, how am I supposed to truly love myself? How am I supposed to truly give of myself? Because again, I do actually believe that we're to love self. Okay, I do think it's actually biblical. I do actually think it's scriptural. I think it's godly that we are to love ourselves, that we are to respect ourselves, that we are to accept ourselves, and that we are to love ourselves. And even though there's this confusion about what our world says about love, what scripture says about love, and we're balancing these two back and forth, right? We're raised in this culture, yet trying to live not of the world, in the world, but not of it. So we're balancing this concept of love. Bible is very clear, very clear that we are to deny ourselves to God, of ourselves and give ourselves to God. That, that we are to lose our life. That we are to give up of our lives to gain it. That if we love our lives, that we will lose it. That we would decrease. That we would not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. But this balance, right? Genesis 1 says that we're created in God's image. But Jeremiah 17 says that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. 
David in Psalm 139 says, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yet Paul says in Romans 7, I know that nothing good lives in me. So this balance, this wrestle, this feeling like you're lying on the floor and two boys jumping on you, right? This wrestling match of never ending of like, I don't know. Yes, I believe this, but yes, I believe this. And I'm concerned about this and I'm concerned about that. And I'm doubtful about this. And oh man, this is a journey. Yeah? You with me? Are you confused yet? Good. Because that's kind of where I want you to be. And again, let, let me alliterate. Self-denial, okay, is not like self-depriving, okay? It's not like harming self. It's not like depriving yourself of things. It's denying, okay, the things of this world and placing God as a higher value and importance. But it's not like hurting, harming, or depriving yourself, okay? You're with me? You get that? Okay, great. So the, before we get into my point for tonight's message... Okay, I get that we're to love ourselves. I think it's biblical. Pretty certain that it is. I know that we're obsessed, so we've got to have a proper love of self, not fish love. But what about those who actually truly don't love themselves? Let's talk about that for a second. Everyone's like, oh, Because we all know that feeling. Because we all know those days. Sometimes it, it's not even just days. Sometimes it's like, depending on the hour of the day, right? I'm like, ugh, or yeah, or ugh. Or yeah, today's a good day, and then something happens, and it's like you're down in the pits. Or all of a sudden, like, the day kind of started, but then you had, like, a quad shot Americano, and you're like, hey, all right, life is good, right? Isn't it crazy how these surroundings and these things around us affect so much of how we perceive and think of ourselves, Right? We live in this society, in this place that is so affected by the things that surround us and the things that we're trying to grasp and hold on to, to find meaning and find purpose and value and understanding and worth and identity. And it's just like we're going like this constantly. And so I chose this this story of these two guys on the road to Emmaus because I felt like that is our journey. We're walking through this journey of life. We're walking on this road, and it's kind of dirty and dusty, and there's me and this buddy, and there's all this crazy stuff that's happening, all these, all these things that took place about, about this Jesus guy. And, and we had these thoughts of what it was going to be like, that he was going to be this coming king and Messiah, and his reign is going to happen, and his kingdom's going to come and overthrow Jerusalem, and we're going to have power, and things are going to be great. And then he died, and now we don't really know what to do. And there's reports that his body is missing, and we think he's alive, and the women are going crazy, and Peter is going nuts, and, like, all this is going on. And there's Jesus walking right beside them the whole way, oblivious to it all. Doesn't it feel like sometimes in our lives that we're walking and sometimes things are dirty and dusty and gross and there's all this crazy stuff going on and guys are saying crazy things and Peter's going off nuts and, and girls are crazy and saying crazy things and, and life is hectic and busy and crazy and we just miss the fact that like Jesus is, is right there the entire time, Right? And so in our, in our series, don't worry, I'll get to the point with some notes here for you soon. <laughs> I'm just kind of like brain diarrhea on you with all that's going on inside me. Actually, you know what? Um, there's a term for that. There's a term for that. It's called logorrhea. It rhymes with diarrhea. Literally, I wrote this down. I, I didn't even actually plan on using this. Listen, listen, listen. Logoria, look it up, it's true. A communication disorder resulting in incoherent talkativeness. A speech or writing which is deemed to use an excess of words. Logoria. So this is what's taking place in my mind that I'm just like, blah, onto you, okay? So here's the thing. For our series, for loving God, 
loving God, what we came to this conclusion that a true love of God is a, is a submission to him, right? It's to look at God in all of it, in our, in our hearts, in our minds, in our bodies, in our souls, and to give our entire self and give it to God. That our gaze is to be on his nature, that he would reveal himself to us, that we would see him in a new and a fresh light, to view God. And then we talked about loving neighbors and practicality in the area of intercession. And Kim talked about that we are to look to others as the image of God, these creation and beings of God, that we are to what? Take our gaze off the mirror and look through the window to view these other people, to take it off of ourselves and onto other people. But, but wait, what about self, right? Like now we got to actually like look at self, but I don't think it's it. And here's my one point for tonight's message. To love God is to view him in his nature, to submit to it. To love others is to take your view off of yourself out of the mirror, and to look into the window. To love yourself is, again, to look away from the mirror and to look into the Word. A true love for self is a true view of yourself. That's it, my one point. To love yourself is to have a true view of yourself. A true view One that is like sustaining. One that is eternal. One that is long-lasting. Not one that is fleeting, will change in the tide, or in the season, or in the year, or in the culture, or in the moment. But one that is sustaining for eternity. A true view of yourself. Again, to love self is to give of self. And so it's this weird reality of giving oneself, but yet we're still getting because how do I love self without getting, And but I got to give myself in this battle. And this is the battle why I chose this road to Emmaus with these guys. It's not a scripture passage about loving self, but it sure is a scripture passage about this battle with self. So they're walking. And there's Jesus. And they don't even recognize that Jesus is right there beside them. And then he breaks bread, just like he did on the Last Supper with his disciples. And they're like, whoa, that's Jesus. How amazing is that? And then he disappears. And then they run to all of their buddies. And Peter's saying, guys, I saw Jesus. I saw him. And they're like, guess what? We saw him too. We saw him too. This is amazing. God did this and God did that. And they're sharing their testimonies of the things that God did in their lives. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears. And they're like, oh, my goodness, it's a ghost. Like, they just talked about the things Jesus did. They just talked about the testimonies. And then they completely forgot about it. And they're like, it's a ghost. It can't actually be Jesus. Like, do you get this? Do you get this battle? Does, it, does this make sense to you? It just happened. This day, the same day, God did something in their life, and moments later, they forgot all about it. And Jesus says, why do you doubt? Why do you doubt? And he says, look, touch my hands. Touch my feet. I'm real. Ghosts don't have bodies. And So does that mean ghosts are real? Because he actually talks about that they're real. So that's kind of (laughs) freaky. Sorry. (laughs) James is back. I love it. (laughs) And it said in their disbelief, they had joy and wonder. Isn't that our life? Isn't that our faith journey? Isn't that our walk along this road? That even though there's doubt, and even though there's disbelief, there's still this joy and this wonder and this awe that we have, this like dichotomy of like both yes and ah, and oh my gosh, God, you're amazing, and ah, I'm confused. Isn't that our lives? Isn't our journey with Jesus? It sure was for these two guys, and it sure is for my life. It sure is for my life. 
And so I've come to the place and I've come to the understanding that in this journey, in this path that we are on, I've kind of given up on the idea that I need to find time with Jesus. And let me, let me explain that. Uh, because I think all our time is with Jesus, right? Like it's, he's right there all the time. And yes, we need to find time to read scripture. And yes, we need to find time to pray, but isn't in all things that we do that we are to give glory to God? And so if it's in all things that we do, in all things, like, I don't know the Greek word for all, but I'm pretty sure it means all, right? (laughs) In all things, we're due to give glory to God. And so, yes, we need to read, but we can worship God not just by reading this, but in all things, in the posture of a heart, in the view in which that we perceive life in the view of God, in the view of others, and in the view of self is where the love truly hits. And this is this journey. And, man, I love Scripture in verse 45, where Jesus says that he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And so what does the Scriptures say about us? What does the scripture say about you? Anybody feel confident in sharing? Anybody feel confident in saying what God says about you through scripture? You don't have to quote anything. You just say it out. Child of God. I have, that's my first one. That's my first point. Okay, who's going to get my second one? That's not it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but you're right. You're right. Huh? Accepted. Prosper, redeemed, adopted, anointed. When you say it at the same time, I can't understand. (laughs) Friend of Jesus, no longer a slave to sin. Temple of the Holy Spirit, new creature in Christ. Righteousness of God in Christ. That's a good one. Blessed with every spiritual blessing. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing. His workmanship, citizen of heaven. Paul says in Ephesians 4, Since you have heard about Jesus and you've learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. That's Ephesians 4, 21 to 24. But why do we still doubt Why do we still doubt? Why is my faith not enough? Why is my faith in Jesus? Why does it fail? Why do I get distracted? Why do I get discouraged? Why do I have these bad days? What is the opposite of faith? Anybody know it? I led you in on that one. It is not doubt. We live by faith, not by sight. Because guess what? There are times in our life that Jesus is standing right in front of you and walking along. And we cannot trust just our sight. We cannot trust it. And even though we doubt, even though we doubt, we choose to live by faith. And guess what? Faith wouldn't actually exist if there wasn't doubt. It's called certainty. Right? That it's only within the doubt that we choose faith. We choose the view of our Father. We choose the identity that he gives us. The one that will never fleet away. That one that will never break down or fall. The only one that can stain for eternity. The view of God, of our lives. The one who truly gave of himself. Right? Romans 5. Love is one who gives of themselves to another, who lays down their life. 
It's him who has given the love to us. And as we accept his view of us is when we truly love us. Isn't that a funny cycle? Isn't that a crazy cycle? That as we give ourselves to him and to his way is when we actually find fulfillment and satisfaction, value and worth and acceptance in this life. Isn't that amazing how good our God is? That he would do that? That he would give us that? He could do whatever he wanted. But he knew in our worship and adoration to him and believing what his word says, our lives will be full of abundance and every spiritual blessing. How amazing is that? And Jesus reveals the understanding of Scripture to these disciples. <laughs> I love Scripture, how it's written. It's funny. It's funny, right? It's beautiful. It's poetic. It's life-transforming. It's authoritative. It is power. I encourage you to fall in love with it. I encourage you to believe it. I encourage you to speak it out loud over your life. Speak what God views you as over your life, as a mantra of your day-to-day living, to believe, to begin to live out actively what Scripture calls you. Marvelous, created in His image, crafted, redeemed, accepted, anointed, beautiful. And to allow that to give you value and worth and nothing else. So that's my one point for tonight's message. To love yourself by truly viewing yourself. What is it again? It's to have a true view. I know, I wrote it. I don't even remember. (laughs) To have a true view of yourself. But I want to finish with a couple practical things. And I'm going to call this my dad talk. So um, Caleb and I, we were chatting uh, as a, I was his youth pastor and we had this thing called family time. And I love it that like next generation family time is happening because he did it with his youth group in Richmond, which is like super awesome. And so we used to have this time called family time in our youth group where like I would sit on a chair and I would get people to like scooch really close and we would have this family talk. Uh, we're not going to do that. And I looked for like 20 minutes today for a stool. We couldn't find one. So I'm going to stand. And uh, I want to give a dad talk. I didn't even hear it. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Richards, where were you 30 minutes ago? (laughs) Um, So I want to give a dad talk, okay? In in what I uh, believe I will share to my kids one day. And often these family times and dad talks can be a little bit random. So it might be a little random to you. Uh, But I mean every word that I say here, okay? So this is, my, this is my dad talk to you. Three practical things that I'd like you to take from our discussion, this wrestling match of, of love self. We want to love self, but we don't want to worship ourselves, yet we want to have a good view of what God thinks of us and to speak that over our lives, and that's where our value and worth comes, and that wrestling match of life, the journey of life, because you're not going to have it all figured out in a 40-minute sermon. So here's three things that I'd love to, uh, to share with you. First one is this, to listen to the right voice. There will be voices in your life trying to pull you in every which direction you could ever think possible. And then you think every direction has already been calling my name, and then other voices from directions that you didn't even think of will be trying to get your attention. Listen to the right voice. The one true voice But here's the beauty of it. The one true voice speaks through many voices, many people in our lives. Now that is a blessing, but also a curse. Because we have to decide which are the right voices and which are not the right voices. And so the way to do that is by knowing this. Get this into your heart, into your mind into your body, and into your soul, and it will change you. And you will know right away what voice to listen to and what voice not to listen to. This is still point number one. Don't find your value and your worth in anything else except God. Not even in relationships. 
right? Like he uses relationships to bless us. That's the way he does it, and it's awesome. Uh, but people will let you down, okay? Relationships will let you down. Boyfriends are going to let you down. Girlfriends are going to let you down. Wives are going to let you down. Husbands are going to let you down. Don't find your identity in a marriage. Don't find your identity in a relationship. Don't find your identity in a reputation. Don't find it in in material things. Don't find it in leadership positions. Don't find it in influence and in power. Don't find it in any of that. Find it in scripture. Find it through the voice of God. And that's it, okay? Again, voices. We all have these voices. (laughs) We all got these voices in our heads. I may have more than you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but there's, it feels like there's a good one and a bad one, right? And we think, oh, man, the angel and then the devil, right? And we think, oh, man, the devil is just, like, speaking lies to me and, and trying to deceive me, and you're right. He does. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But listen to me. His destroying, okay, isn't like the big booms, explosions, and destroying and ending your life. His destroying is, is deceiving, His destroying is distracting, okay? So listen, the enemy isn't trying to destroy you. He's trying to distract you. And if he distracts you, he will watch you destroy yourself, okay? It's Adam and Eve. He came to them in the form of a serpent. And he said, what? He said, God's not allowing you to eat any fruit in the garden? That's not true. But he sure did deceive. He asked a question that wasn't true. He knew he was going to get an answer, but it was still a little off of what truth actually was. So a lot of it may sound like truth, but you got to make sure it all is truth, okay? So make sure you listen to the right voice. Um, the voice you believe will determine the future you experience. Um, second one is, is don't trust your feelings. <laughs> trust the authority of scripture. Okay. Trust scripture, not your feelings. Again, belief in the midst of doubt, belief in the midst of doubt, faith in the midst of doubt. I do not live by sight. I live by faith. Doubt is in the midst of it, but it's by faith in which that I walk not by sight. So believe in Scripture. Trust Scripture. And so much of our sermons this year, and so much of what we've prayed about since June, is that we've wanted to inspire people to read Scripture. Because we know that when we talk for 30 to 40 minutes on a Wednesday night, you're going to forget what we say. I forget what we say. But guess what? This will continue with you. So I don't want you to have Scripture notes, or sorry, sermon notes, I want you to have scripture notes. I don't want you to have scripture notes if that's what you live your life by, but it's just those sermon notes lead you to your scripture, and that's what you lead your life by, okay? So trust scripture, the authority of scripture. And last is this, uh, build healthy habits. Build healthy habits in your life. Do you know that 40% of what you do, I'm going to encourage the band to come on back up, and we'll finish with this. 40% of what you do, during the day, each day, is not a result of choice, but of just habit. 40%, almost half of what you do, is a result of habit. And Sean Covey, he says our habits will make or break us. We become what we repeatedly do. We become what we repeatedly do. And a healthy identity a healthy identity creates wise habits. An unhealthy identity creates unwise habits. Right? Like, like our lives, like the, it's a sum total of all these decisions we make, right? And we don't wreck our lives for the most part. We don't wreck our lives by, by this huge thing that takes place. But it's by these small choices that we make up that add over a period of time. And that's when we begin to wreck our lives, these, these unhealthy choices, these, these bad habits, this bad view of ourselves, this, this worldly obsession of self, not a true love self. And it may not seem big in the moment, a treat yourself moment may, may not seem big in the moment, but a continual repetition of this over time leads to bad, unhealthy, unwise decisions. So make wise 
choices, a healthy identity. I'm God's craftsmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works over and over and over and over again. After time, we will see the fruit of it. I want to finish with this picture. A, a, a bowl of, uh, maybe let's say a pot of water, right? Putting on a pot of water. Okay, I got this from Craig Rochelle. Love this imagery here. He was talking about habits. And often we do these habits and we think, oh man, this one little habit's not really doing anything and I'm trying and I don't really feel like I'm getting anywhere. And it's like a pot of boiling water. You turn it on and there's just water in the pot and the temperature rises. And it's just a pot of water and it gets hotter, but it still looks the exact same. And it boil, or sorry, it, it gets hotter and hotter and hotter until a point in which it starts to boil. Does anybody know the temperature of it? It's like 100 degrees Celsius. It hits this moment in which that it starts to boil. At 99, guess what? It ain't boiling. It looks the same as zero. And how often in our lives do we look at other people and we compare our lives to other people and we say, man, they're so godly. They're so good. They got it all together. How come I don't? It's these little habits that they're doing consistently every single day that they're experiencing the fruit of it. And guess what? They're not that much healthier than you. We're all on this journey together. And sometimes we take our, our 11 degrees Celsius and we compare it to somebody's 100 degrees Celsius. Or maybe we're at the 90 degrees Celsius and we're comparing it, but yet we feel so far behind. Quit comparing your life to the people around you the experience of the things that are going on behind you the last three days, what the women are saying, what the men are saying. And focus on what God is saying to you, the guy who is with you at all times, right in front of you, Jesus. Let me just finish with this. As we approach spiritual emphasis days, um, I hope some of you are challenged big time. As, As... God speaks to you as the Spirit speaks to you, right? Just after this moment in which Jesus was talking with the individuals here, he ascended into heaven. He made the promise that the Father was going to give the Holy Spirit. Uh, He he is alive, amen? He is alive and at work and is active, interceding on our our behalf. Now, to get to a place in which that we can just truly accept what God says about us, and that is where we find our identity and value and worth and give up all these other things, we got to really give it all up. Like we actually have to give it up. So if there is something that is holding you back, something that is holding you down, give it up. Give it up. If it is fashion where you're trying to find value and worth and identity and what people say and how you look, wear a white t-shirt or a black t-shirt with nothing on it for the next 30 days. And that's it. Quit wearing makeup even. If it's your if it's your social media self-promotion, give it up. Give it up. If it's something that's so holding you back, so tightly wound around you, I encourage you to fast. And I'm a big believer that when Scripture talks about fasting, it means food physically. Now you can give up lots, and I encourage you to do so. But if it's really got a hold on you, fast. Food because it's the only thing in which that we can give up that if we were to give it up, it could kill us. What a true giving of ourselves, right? So we're not going to do it school-wide or anything like that, but maybe this weekend, maybe this next week, take a day, take a meal, take every meal, every breakfast of the day, whatever, and, and fast it. And belief in the midst of your doubt that God will open your mind to the things of Scripture what the Spirit is saying and doing in your life. Thank you for listening to my ramble. (laughs) Why don't we stand together? Let me pray. And can we sing? uh, You pick a song. Let's just sing a song. (laughs) And we'll sing this song and following it, uh, I'll I'll say a prayer of dismissal. Uh, You can stick around if you want to. Uh, You can go by all means if you want to as well. Let's pray. And let's worship Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you have been in this room the entire time that we've been talking about you. Thank you that you are in our hearts. 
that you're in our minds, that you're in our souls. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are interceding right now in this moment for us, our advocate, our helper, our counselor. Spirit, I pray for the work that you are doing inside each person's life tonight. Would you again reveal yourself fresh and anew? Would you uh, draw us close to you that we would stand firm upon the promises of your word that as we remain in you, you will remain in us. Spirit, would you convict us to give up the things that are holding us down from truly, properly, and biblically loving ourselves. God, if we have pride in our hearts and our lives, would you forgive us? Would you prune that out of us right now in the name of Jesus? Prune it. Eradicate it. Delete it. I pray. Spirit, speak to us tonight, this next week, as we, as we do an extra emphasis on you, on your person, on your nature, on your character. Oh, thank you that you are here. Thank you in advance for the work that you're going to do. We give of our lives. We surrender ourselves tonight.